So Advent week two, um, this is the conversation around uh, the birth of Jesus Christ and the season that looks towards his coming. That's what Advent means. Advent means the, the anticipation of, looking towards the arrival of. And churches all over the world have been celebrating this uh, theme, this season during this time of year. And there's specific scriptures that are read every day leading, leading up to, to Christmas Day. And um, the key message, as I mentioned just now of our, of our topic this morning, is that of joy. And the first two weeks of Advent, just FYI, um, we share an Old Testament passage, kind of symbolizing that there's this anticipation of the coming Messiah, of Jesus on Christmas. And then the second two weeks of Advent, we look at New Testament passages of Scripture. And this is symbolizing the, the kingdom reality that Jesus brought into the world through his birth. There's some things that we are living in right now. Amen. We don't have to look forward towards joy. We have a present reality of joy in our lives because of the person of Jesus that came. Amen. So, you know, obviously our future joy will be when the whole of creation is redeemed. Absolutely. But we don't have to wait till then to experience it. That's the point of this conversation is we don't have to wait for some future event to have joy and joy in all its fullness in our lives. And we're going to share some amazing scriptures together. But this is the, this is the key idea that I wanted to leave with us this morning. And I wanted, to, I wanted to talk on joy from the perspective of joy is yours by design. It's yours by design. It's who you are in Christ because the joy that we have is not our own. It's His. That's a very, very important idea. It changes things radically for us. And we'll see in a moment in, in, in Scripture how, how that's possible. But it's, it's very, very important as we start this conversation to recognize that we have joy in us by design. It's not something that someone else, namely the enemy, can actually take away. I'm going to share some Scripture on that just now. But let's have a look at Nehemiah 8.10 as we start just on this topic. It says, do not grieve because the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not Lloyd's joy. It's not the church's joy. It's not anything, not a career's joy. It's the joy of the Lord that's your strength. And that's really, really good news in terms of this week three conversation of Advent because regardless of circumstances around us, Christ's joy can still come into our lives because it's his joy, not our own. The world cannot give you something like what Christ is promising you here. He's saying that it's his joy that becomes our strength. And the life that we have received, this living of fullness, is more about allowing that joy to be expressed through you than it is preventing it from being stolen from you. Say that again. The life that we have now in Christ, the life that we live today, 2022, is more about allowing that joy to be expressed through you than it is about preventing it from being stolen from you. Because I found there's some, there's some misunderstandings about joy in church and in society. And I want to I want to address some of those. I want to tackle some of these topics together and kind of um, set the record straight from a biblical point of view so that we don't go into the season saying things like, my joy is being stolen from me. Those are the kind of ideas that I want to, that I want to just tackle. I want to just touch on some of those on, on, on some of those ideas this morning. But this is our, this is our key scripture. This is a key reading from, uh, from Luke chapter two in terms of week three of Advent. It says this, it's a well-known story. The heading in your Bibles is probably the birth of Jesus or the nativity scene, right? This is, this is where, where it comes from. Luke two, verse eight to 10. It says this, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the field and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. I mean, I'll give them that, right? If an angel of the Lord stands before you, I'm going to be pretty scared too. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. 
For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy. Everyone say great joy. Great joy. That will be for all the people. And then this is the, this is the proclamation. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth uh, and lying in a manger. The title of my message this morning is On Tap. On Tap. Some of you might be thinking, finally, a message I can relate to. <laughs> I like things on tap. Um, other of us are, other, others of us are thinking your pastor's finally lost his mind. He's clearly had too much of the old school communion uh, wine. But it's a play on words on this idea that, that, that joy is readily available in you and flowing from you by definition of who you are in and through the Holy Spirit. And so this is, this is, the, uh, this is the idea that I want to build on this, this thing about rather allowing the joy to be expressed through you than preventing it from being stolen from you. And I really did felt led to, to speak on this particular angle um, because the whole message of the birth of Jesus, right, and his life and death is that, we, is that he has come so we can have life and life in all its fullness. John 10, 10, right, we know that verse well. There is, there is nothing left outstanding from heaven's point of view in terms of the payment that was required to rescue us satisfy our souls and redeem us. He has left, Christ has left nothing out in fulfilling his kingdom mission. Amen. It wasn't like salvation was half done. It was fully done. It was absolutely paid for, completely settled. Christ was all sufficient in his provision of salvation, of life, of freedom, and of this joy that we're talking about. But that verse in John 10, 10 starts by saying that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy and this is where I, I, I find some of these misconceptions come in. This is what I wanted to speak about this morning when it comes to joy, because I wouldn't want for us to allow the enemy to do that, to plant that seed in your mind that says, you know what, ah, joy, yeah, I can, I can kind of take it away from you if I want. You know, a life and life in all its fullness, nah, I have some influence there. I can, I can I'll show you, you know. He does that. He, he, he kind of plants those seeds. And this is, this is the thing. This is what the, what, what the devil has tried to do from the beginning. He has always tried to distort God's intended purpose for things. He tries to manipulate it. tries to twist it, doesn't he? And so we end up getting caught in the first part of that verse. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Now all I'm left to do is prevent that from happening. But we forget the second part. <laughs> We've got life and life in all its fullness. We've got joy and joy in all its fullness. There's the second part of this verse that the message of Advent is speaking about now, that we can, we can have that joy now. We don't have to wait for something. And according to these verses that we're going to read just now, the enemy can't steal something that he didn't create. The enemy can't steal something that he didn't create. He can only try and distort what God has already cre created. Practically speaking, Adam and Eve, what does the serpent say? Did God really say, <laughs> did he really say that you shouldn't eat from that tree? Yeah? Sowing the doubt, sowing the, sowing the, sowing the uh, manipulation, that fear seed. Jesus, he goes to Jesus. I mean, like wrong guy to try and pick on, <laughs> devil. But he says, Jesus, worship me. And what? I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world that you see in front of you. I mean, just think about that. He is already the king of kings. Everything is his. And the, and the enemy goes, worship me and I'll give you this. Hey, he tries to twist things. Young person in 2022, if we can get real for a moment, is sex really meant just for the covenant of marriage? Really? Too hectic? 
twisting, manipulating of the truth, right? He tries to sow those seeds of doubt. Now I've got to worry and, and try and spend my whole life stressing about this thing from being stolen from me instead of recognizing that because Christ has come, because his joy is mine, I can express it freely through him. Amen. See, the enemy has never been able to try and create something. He can only distort what has already been created. He can never create the beauty of a covenant marriage. He can only try and twist the picture of what it looks like. But you and I can create it. We have that authority in Jesus' name. He can never create the joy that's found in Christ. He can only distract you from expressing it. You and I can live in that joy and access it fully. Amen. And this is the, this is the key element of this conversation this morning, friends, is that we have on the inside of us unlimited access to unrestrained fruits of love, joy, peace. Come on, believers, finish the fruits of the Spirit with me. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We don't have to strive for those things. Those things are being grown and produced in us by the Spirit. Amen? Joy is yours by design. It comes from within you through the Holy Spirit. And so I want to make a sort of a bold declaration this morning, if I may, and just in terms of these misconceptions that I want to settle in. I want to say this, that the devil does not own the rights to things he cannot produce. It's against the law of the Spirit. And you and I have the authority in Christ to resist him and claim what's yours. The devil does not own the rights to things he cannot produce. It's against the law of the Spirit. And you and I have the authority in Christ to resist him and claim what's yours. I really believe it's time for us as believers to start living out this Christ joy that's within us by the Spirit and stop worrying about it being stolen from us. You know, how many people do we see walking around with this, this, this almost garment or cloak of, of, of depression even and, and desperation? And by the way, this is your pastor preaching to himself with you this morning, okay? So just bear with me here. But I really believe that if we stepped into this fully, if we recognize that, hey, it's Christ's joy that is in me, it's mine by design, it's being produced in me through the Spirit, then what can steal it? I have unlimited access to unrestrained fruits of the Spirit. Nothing can take that away from me. The enemy can only through deception or through our consent distract us from expressing it. That's it. And I really believe if this truth can settle in our hearts, we would experience a greater sense of God's presence this season. And you know what, especially this time of, of the year, we, we, I mean, we as society, let's, let's be honest, we are surrounded by so much pressure to, to, to put on this sort of fake image of joy and kind of, you know, act like everything's all right. But actually, you know, deep down, we don't, we don't feel love. We don't feel connected to God. There's this thing that's lacking and we just, you know, kind of want to break from it all. Um, and for a lot of people, actually, Christmas and December isn't exactly the most joyful time of year. It's not. I mean, sometimes for very good reason. You know, there was a loss of a family member. There's a sense of loneliness or there's even a sense of fear or, or, or uncertainty about next year that, that, that sometimes creeps in at this, at this time of year. And, you know, while I, I, I never want to minimize any of those things that any of us, uh, you know, go through and experience, I do feel that I have the opportunity this morning to just encourage you and say this, like, you know, let's, let's access just a little bit more of that joy that's already yours this year. Let's just access a little bit more of it. It's Christ's joy, remember? It's not yours. It's Christ. He gave it to you. It's freely available and nothing can take it away from you. And I'll, I'll do everything I can this morning to give you the fuel and, and, and the tools to, to dig into that joy. And this morning, I really am believing for this kind of a revival, not only here, but, but across this nation, that, that people's sorrow will turn into singing this December. Those people that felt that heaviness, that, that, that sadness, that, that sorrow will turn into singing. 
that the heaviness will turn into gladness. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Come on, let's, let's, let's break this thing that sometimes happens. Amen? You don't have to worry this year about someone stealing your joy from you. You've already got it, friends. It's inside you through the Holy Spirit. Let's have a look at John 15. This is, this is just the essence of this conversation. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. So Jesus talking. There it is. These things I have spoken to you that my joy, Jesus says, may be in you and that your joy may be full. Everyone say full. Full, not lacking, friends. We have Christ's joy in us. John 16, uh, verse 22. This is, a, as we know, this John 15 and 16 is Jesus talking to his disciples just before he, he goes to the cross. Some powerful, powerful words at a powerful time. He says, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will, be, will, will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from you. Come on. Can we live in that verse this year? Can we encourage others with this truth this year? In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. There it is again. He says it twice in two chapters. Kind of means something, right? He's trying to get a point across here that we can have fullness of joy in and through the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's have a look at, or actually before we do, before we have a look at three deterrents of joy, um, I wanted just to share a verse that I also really um, felt, felt led to, to almost declare over someone here this morning or over someone that you know, uh, just in terms of this encouragement to, 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 to bring that season of sadness to an end. Um, it's a prophecy from Isaiah chapter 31. Uh, and it's, it really is so, so beautiful. And, and let this almost be God's, God's declaration over you or over someone that you know this year uh, when it comes to turning that sorrow into gladness again. Look at, look at what it says. It says, The desert and the dry land will be glad, and the wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like a lily, the land will blossom. It will rejoice and sing with joy. It will have the glory of Lebanon, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. Everyone will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. And he gives us some instructions. He says, strengthen limp hands, steady weak knees. Tell those who are terrified, be brave. Don't be afraid. Your God will come, come with vengeance, with divine revenge. He will come and rescue you. Amen. Isaiah chapter 31, let's bear that verse in mind this festive season and use that to declare over someone that feels the spirit of heaviness that because of Christ, that's what the verse is talking about, it's talking about Jesus' birth, because of Christ, we can have the fulfillment of that prophecy and receive his joy in our lives. So I want to just take a brief moment and look at three kinds of distractions. What are these distractions? Um, three, three deterrents, if you will, that the enemy tries to trick us with. And then what are three weapons that we have in Christ? to live in the true identity of joy instead. What are, what, are, what are three distractions and three solutions to those distractions? And the first one, I actually mentioned it just now, but we overcome the, de the deterrent of sadness with the joy of singing. We overcome the deterrent of sadness with the joy of singing. You know, sadness is, is it's one of those emotions that all of us will experience, right? From some time or, or at, at various times in our lives, in various levels of intensity, I guess. It's, it's part of the human condition. Um, and as I said earlier, I have a, I have a 10 month old now and, and, and he's kind of starting to uh, discover his emotions and, and connect them to events, you know, so when it's, um, when it's bath time and you take him away from the toys, it's, 
you know, sadness is expressed. It's this deep bellowing cry and howl that wakes up the neighbor and everything. And, and you just go, it's okay, my boy. It's, you know, it's just bath time. I'm not, you know, nothing serious is happening. We just need a, we just need a bath you right now and get you ready for bed. But he's expressing sadness. You know, obviously he can't regulate his emotions yet. Some of us grown-ups are still trying to figure that one out too. Um, but obviously, as life goes on, we, 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 we experience moments and, and seasons of sadness from time to time. And they have varying degrees of, of intensity. And I'll be the first person to admit that it's not always easy to raise your hands in singing, is it? It's not easy. It feels like that joy is gone. Uh, to quote one of the misconceptions that I want to settle this morning, it, 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 it feels like sadness is the is the primary and dominant thing that has the final say, and, 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 and we have to just hope that through time it will disappear. Um, on a personal level, I mean, I remember the first Sunday that I took over as side pastor of Father's House J-Bay, and it was literally during that week when my wife and I found out about our first miscarriage. And I got up on the stage that Sunday, and it was tough. It was very, very tough. I'm not going to say that it wasn't. I'll be very honest and say that was not an easy thing to do, to raise your hands in worship. But what I do want to say this morning, friends, is that even in those moments of sadness, even in those seasons where it seems difficult to raise your hands, please don't forget the power of accessing that joy and expressing it. Please don't forget the power of that. You have access to it. And it's a powerful, powerful thing when you choose to sing in and through the sadness. You know, that's what worship does. And it's, it's actually amazing. I was thinking about this a lot uh, over the last couple of weeks and it kind of popped up in this conversation. But that's, that's what worship does. Worship, worship is when you tell your soul about the truth that's in your spirit. And you say, you know, Lloyd, all of you, your whole being, just come into a line again with the presence of Jesus in your life. That's what worship does. When you raise your hands, you acknowledge that the payment for your joy has been settled in full. When you raise your hands, that debt of sadness, friends, has been paid. <laughs> Christ paid for the debt of our sadness. The heavenly transfer has been completed. He took our sadness so we could have his joy. And that's why I've learned in worship services, you know, if there's someone that is raising their hands a little higher, a little more often than you, don't, don't, be, don't be too quick to judge them on that. You might not know what joy they're telling their soul to come into align with. You don't know the story that they've gone through to get to where they are today. And if you're not the worship type like I was for many, many years, you know, I always thought when, these, when the people were raising their hands, I thought like, did they miss their 2020 workout, body 2020 workout this morning? It's like this, you know, these things happening. Like, why are you guys doing that? Stop it. It's weird. But when I overcame my insecurity and my lack of knowledge on this topic, I went, oh, okay, that's what it is. It's, Lord, I surrender to you. Soul, I'm telling you to praise this morning. Joy, I'm allowing you, I'm expressing the joy that is in me to come through. That's what it does. And the moment I started realizing that, I started thinking to myself, yo, I've been missing out here, soul. I've been allowing the sadness to stay here for way too long. And so I want to encourage you this morning, even challenge you. If, that was, if, that's, if that's you like it, like it was with me, just try it once. Just try it once. You know, you can do the hold my TV pose in the beginning, you know, different worship poses, hold my TV, you know. Start there, start small. But watch what it does when you bring your soul into alignment with the truth of the joy that's in your spirit. You know who was really good at this in scripture? David. He was probably the guy that epitomized this whole um, concept of singing to the sadness and singing through the sadness almost more than anyone else. You know, he could feel all those feelings, but yet he chose the singing anyway, didn't he? 
Psalm 42. Check at this. He says, why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Here's Here's the antidote. Put your hope in God. And this is the declaration. For I will, everyone say will. I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. This morning, friends, if I could encourage us on anything, it would be to have this one, one, one bit of confidence. One bit of confidence that says, even if I'm in a season of sadness, soul, I will still praise my maker. Let's overcome the distraction of sadness with the power of singing. Amen. Secondly, a second distraction is that we overcome the distraction of selfishness with the joy of serving. Oh man, if there's one highlight for me over the past six years of being employed at Father's House, it has got to be hearing these amazing testimonies that have come as a result of the volunteers serving um, in and through church. You know, what what a privilege it's been to hear things like, you know, I never knew churches could be welcoming and friendly environments. And then when I arrived in the parking lot, someone greeted me with a big smile and I thought, you know what, maybe I can encounter love and community today in a powerful way. I love those stories so, so, so much. It just shatters the, 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 the misconceptions around what church is and what it can be. And those things are still happening, by the way. Some of them come from this house. I heard a few of them last week again. Someone for the first time felt welcomed in a, in a building where otherwise they would, no one would have ever paid them any attention. No one would have ever known their name. But what, a, what, a, what an absolute joy that is. And ask any of the dream team at Father's House what it does for your faith when you express the Christ joy that's in you through serving. They'll tell you it activates something so special that nothing else can quite, can quite um, uh, com- compare. You see, that's because serving takes the perspective away from you and it puts it on what Christ has accomplished on your behalf. Serving takes the perspective away from you. It takes it away from me. I'm humbling myself. I'm doing something for someone else. And it puts the perspective or the, or the focus rather on what Jesus has accomplished on your behalf. He has saved me. He's rescued me. He's given me freedom. And so I'm expressing that in this way. And you know, serving really is one of the greatest antidotes, isn't it? To the sickness of selfishness. I've called it a sickness. Because you know what it's like when, 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 when you meet someone that's, that, that's selfish? And you know, people want to avoid them like they have the flu, <laughs> don't they? It's like, there's a selfish person. Okay, I'm definitely not going to be generous there. I want to head, head, on, head on out this side. You know, and this is, this is what it does. Serving... Serving is the antidote to that, self, to that sickness of selfishness. It awakens this, this Christ joy in me. First um, Samuel 12. This is the final speech that the prophet Samuel gave to the children of Israel. And he says this, Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. Keep it up there, production. Only fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart. You know, that's who we're actually serving when we volunteer at church, right? We're actually serving God. And where does that strength come from? For consider what great things He has done from you. You know, we always tell our volunteers that it's not about, you know, fulfilling an obligation. It's about responding to overflow. I have received so much. Consider the great things that Christ has done for me. And from that place of, of overflow, I pour out and serve and to serve others. You know, we have this... We have this saying that says, saved people serve people, so that served people become saved. And that, that really is, in essence, what, what, what we're talking about, is we overcome the sickness of selfishness, the, the distraction of, selfish, of selfishness, with the joy of serving. That's how we overcome. Amen? And friends, this, this birth of Christ means that I can express this joy um, in our lives in this way. 
Are you guys still with me this morning? We're okay? I've got one more point to make and then um, I'm going to wrap up in a word of prayer for us. But I've got two phenomenal passages of Scripture that I think are just so good. I'm going to read them and then kind of just go home because it's going to, it's going to, it's going to have done, done my job for me. But point three, we overcome silence with the joy of sharing. We overcome silence with the joy of sharing. Friends, you know, the enemy will tell you, he will whisper in your ear, he will manipulate the truth and say, you're not a pastor. You're not a staff member at church. You're not qualified enough in theology. Now, you, you aren't well-versed enough in Scripture. You can't quote anything. How on earth can you share your faith with others? They're going to laugh at you. Anyone ever felt that whisper? I have. Absolutely have. And he, he will try and, and distort the reality of the image bearer that you are and try and keep you in silence. He will. But the truth is we were not created to keep the message of joy hidden within ourselves. Not at all. We were created to express it. That's our intended purpose. That's, and that's where the joy lies. The joy does not lie in the silence. The joy lies in the expressing. Here's a wonderful verse from Philemon, or Philemon if you're South African, um, about the power of sharing your faith. By the way, if you read uh, uh, Philemon chapter 1, you've read the whole book. It's only one chapter. So you want to tick a whole book off of a Bible reading list this year? This is the one to do. But this is, this is what Paul writes in, in uh, verse 1 and says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. There was news about this love that they had for one another. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Keep it there, uh, uh, production. How good is that? That verse says, the more we know about everything that we have in us through Christ, the more effective the sharing of our faith will be to the glory of Jesus. The more we know how much we have received in Christ, the more effective the sharing of our faith will be. Notice that it doesn't say the perfect sharing of your faith. See that? It's not talking about the perfect sharing, but the effective sharing. And obviously the assumption is that we will share it effectively when we grow in the knowledge. Not that we'll share it perfectly or that we won't share it at all. He's saying that the effective sharing, that this, this, this meaningful sharing of your faith will result in glory to Christ. And just, you know, coming back to that lie about you're not being worthy or you're not being well equipped enough. Remember, God chooses the shameful things of the world, eh? To shame the wise. He chose uneducated fishermen. I mean, hello, to spread the gospel. And I mean, 2,000 years later, it's still working. So I think they did a pretty decent job. But as we know, it wasn't them that was working, was it? It was the Holy Spirit. And this is what God is asking us to do. This is the crux. The more that we surrender and act as conduits instead of controllers, the more that we act as conduits instead of controllers, the more fruit we will begin to see in our lives through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I've got one more verse to share with us this morning, uh, church. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 29. It's from the New Living Translation. And just let these words um, sink in this morning and let it kind of summarize this, uh, this uh, message. It says, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them 
to bring to nothing what the world considers important. Man, that's good. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Oh, could camp there all day. It's not about us. Friends, it's not about us. It's about God. It's about His presence. It's about His power. And I really want to encourage us today that as we live in this present reality of the joy that Christ has brought into our lives, that we would overcome the tricks of the enemy. We would overcome the distraction of sadness with singing, the distraction of selfishness with serving, and the deception of silence with sharing. Can you say amen to that this morning? Church, can you stand with me? I want to close for us as we wrap up in a word of prayer. Thank you, guys. Thanks, team. So um, I'm also starting to feel a bit of that December heat up here. It's either me or it's the lights, but they're very bright. I'm starting to sweat. Please excuse me. Can we get a wet wipe on stage for the dormany, please? No, I'm joking. But um, I do want to just take a moment and, and pray as we conclude this message. Um, I, did, I did feel this particular burden for, for, maybe it's not someone here, maybe it's someone we know, someone in our families that, that feels like oh, another December, another season of sadness, another thing of heaviness. And I, I, I really do want to just pray into that for a moment and trust that God would break that. Amen. We've read from Scripture that it's Christ's joy that's in us. It's not ours. Enemy cannot steal something he didn't create. And we have the authority in Jesus' name to, to claim that which is ours. We can resist him. James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Yeah. And I really want to take a moment and just pray into that this morning. So, Father, I just thank you again so much for, for the power of Scripture. Thank you that it is sharper than any double-edged sword. And Father, if there's a lie that has taken root in our hearts, a seed that has started to grow in our minds, I pray that through the power of your word, you would eliminate that right now in Jesus' name. Would you cut that away from us, Father? Someone that we know, even as we're thinking of them right now, that's maybe even already said, oh, another December. I pray that the power of your word would cut that lie out of their body, out of their mind, out of their heart right now in Jesus' name. Thank you that you will replace that with the biblical truth that your joy is our joy. It's never ending, Father. We have full access to it. There's nothing that you still need to do to give us fullness of joy. We only need to access it and express it. And Father, I pray that as your uh, faithful servants, we would, we, would, we would have opportunities to, to remember your word this week even and to step into these things that we've spoken about this morning. Father, may we step into singing over the sadness. Lord, may we, may, may we step into the sharing, Father, into the serving over selfishness. And may we step into the sharing of our faith over silence. Lord, we don't have to hold this gospel message to ourselves. We shouldn't. It is good enough to be shared with the whole world. And Father, we pray that you would give us opportunities this week to do just that. And thank you that we will see revival as a result. And we honor you for this all. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Church, can we give God a shout of praise and worship and thanksgiving this morning?